hopping on and joining us today. We're so excited to have you. Make sure that as you are hopping on that you comment, tell us who you are, where you're watching from, so that we can say hello back to you. And Johnny, you beat Marky again today. But the very first person on today, at least on Facebook, was Miss Jan, Pastor's mom. So Pastor's mom beat everybody today. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure again that you say hello and as you're hopping on, share the broadcast. Today's broadcast is going to be awesome, really powerful, and someone that you know needs to hear it. And as Pastor has been saying lately, sharing is caring. So as you hop on, make sure that you comment, tell us who you are, where you're watching from, and share the broadcast. And now I'm going to say hi to my people. Uh, Lisa Honeycutt is the first, nope, Johnny's the first person that says hello. Maybe Miss Janice. I don't know. I see Lisa saying hello <laughs> and Johnny. And, oh, Jan beat everybody again. She said hello first. And I see Buddy is on and Serena. Serena's on. Jade says, hey, Paul's driving, but we're both here. We love y'all. We prayed for y'all this morning. It's going to be a great day. We love you very much. Angela Tucker Bowers is on. And Lisa Land said, good evening and have a great day. Lisa, we love you. Thank you for hopping on just to share the broadcast before you have to go back to work. That's so awesome. Let's see. Kevin. Kevin says, good afternoon. What's right, family? Hello, Kevin. Hello, Natalie. Whenever Pastor Nicole hops on, she's going to need to remind me what TV show it is, unless Marky happens to know. There's a TV show that um, the kids would watch where they would say, Kevin. Is that Phineas and Ferb? I don't know. Pastor Nicole's going to have to tell me when she hops on. <laughs> but as you guys know, first thing with the broadcast, what do we do first after we say hello and share? It's time for memes. Now, before we hop into the memes, Marky had a bone to pick about memes yesterday. Not ours, but just memes in general. She wants them to return back to the days where there were only like 10 memes like 10 pictures and you had to just use what was already created basically she doesn't like the whole status memes but those are my favorites so i gave us a good blend today 
so that way Marky could be pleased and I could be pleased. I I did some of these for you, Marky Mark. <laughs> so our memes of the day. <laughs> for a second, I thought it inverted and I thought I kept seeing my face behind it. Oh, goodness. This one comes to us from Pastor Nicole. Fencing, the perfect COVID-19 sport. Masks, gloves. If anyone gets closer than six feet to you, you stab them. <laughs> so if you guys are bored at home and you're looking to take up a new hobby, fencing apparently is a good way to, you know, get some aggression out, exercise. They do it in the parent trap. It can't be that dangerous. Okay, y'all. This one, George loves this one. He laughed so hard yesterday. <laughs> Walmart clerk. Why are you wearing that? Me. The mayor and the CDC said to wear it. Clerk. They said to wear a mask. Me. What did the Lone Ranger wear? Clerk. Me. Clerk. Me. Clerk. <sighs> a mask. <laughs> Me. Hi-yo, Silver. <laughs> George loves this one. This is, again, George humor. <laughs> <laughs> when you've gained seven pounds since lockdown, but your clothes still fit. I'm still worthy. <laughs> That's the type of meme that Marky likes. <laughs> and the type of meme that I like is up next, our last one of the day. Not Corona meme. <laughs> I tried to pull up my sleeve and accidentally punched myself. It's okay. I've had it coming for some time now. <laughs> I like that one a lot. Oh, my goodness. That one is one of my favorites. So which, which way do you prefer your memes? Do you prefer them with pictures, as memes probably are supposed to be? Or do you prefer to read just glorified Facebook status and Twitter updates? Which one's your favorite? Natalie says, hello. Yeah, as you're hopping on, make sure that you are sharing the broadcast. We are about, I think we're at part 13. We've been doing this particular series. This will be our fourth week in doing the Man Who Would Be King series. And they have just been so good. Like they've all just been different each day and yet so powerful. And for me, they've really been enhancing what the series is. You know, it's it's easy to think that we want to be a leader, but, you know, there's that verse in the Bible that says that teachers and leaders, that they'll be, they'll be counted for double what they do. Um, they'll be judged double, basically. And being a leader, it's a serious thing. It's a serious responsibility. And there's so much to it other than just the recognition, which is what so many people see. That's what I used to think being a leader was, was getting that recognition. And yet there's, there's so much, there's a cost to be counted. And what the Lord just brought out in this series has been awesome. So we thank you for being a part with us today, and thank you for being on. I want to know who all is watching. So if you haven't said hello yet, make sure that you are saying hello. <laughs> Marky says, if the meme doesn't have a picture, it is a status. So there is Marky's take on memes. And Deborah Ann Aldridge just hopped on. She and her husband Stephen had an anniversary yesterday. So happy belated wedding anniversary. We love y'all very much. May this be your best year yet. And we love you. 
but yeah, if you are just now hopping on, we're going to be continuing on with our series, The Man Who Would Be King. And if you would, just go ahead and put down in the comments something that has really stuck out to you about this series, something that the Lord's been showing you and bringing to your mind about it. And it's going to be awesome. So let's see. Deb says, thank you. She also says, hello. <laughs> in typical Deborah Ann fashion. And Mr. Chris Griffin is on. <laughs> you know, there was a point um, last week talking about this series. There was a point last week that the Holy Spirit brought out, and it's something that I've actually been dealing with, um, working to grow in over the last year or so, you know, is esteeming where the Lord has you in the moment that he has you in it. You know, I think a lot of times people who are called to be leaders or even in leadership conferences, you know, you'll go and you'll hear to visualize where you want to go and set goals and have dreams. And those are all great things that you should do. But a lot of times, um, I know for me, I will be so busy focusing, have been so busy focusing on what's ahead that I don't actually, haven't actually given myself to the moment that I'm in. And I've so desperately wanted to see the future that I haven't esteemed the task that's been at hand or the people that have been with me in those moments either. So when the Holy Spirit brought it up last week through pastor, it was yet another moment of, right, okay, <laughs> esteem where I am right now because whether God has bigger things for me down the road, that's awesome. But he has me in a place right now, doing a task right now. And through this task, he's not only called me to do it, but he's developing me through the task. And so that point in particular for me, when the Holy Spirit brought it up through pastor, was another one of those, right, I have something right now that I need to be esteeming better, differently, higher. So that for me is one of those moments that I've been growing in. And... Let's see. Jade really loved my deep man preaching voice last week. So you're welcome, Internet World, for that. <laughs> Mike Wachowski. Um, Mike Wachowski. Tanya Louder <laughs> says, hello, how are you? She says, I love when y'all right. are online. That's awesome. That's so sweet. Amen. That's really nice. <laughs> how are you? I'm good. Good. I like your purple. Thank you. You're welcome. It's Pastor Nicole's favorite color. I got sun yesterday preaching. You did. It was bright. You've been confessing. I feel like I'm, yeah, <laughs> it worked. My confessions came to pass. He's been saying he wants to be the tan, or that he's going no. to be the tannest preacher. Yeah, I didn't say I wanted yes. to. I said I will be. <laughs> I caught it halfway yeah, out. I yeah, like, I don't think that was a desire. <laughs> I think it's just a reaction. <laughs> My husband, uh, he oversees security here at the church. So yesterday, I guess he just has an aversion to using sunscreen right now. But Pastor teased it last week. George doesn't really ever get tan. He goes from being white to being red back to being white. It doesn't really progress past white. Though Paige, Paige told me Friday that there's over 500 different shades of white paint. So maybe George just moves up the white paint chain. <laughs> but he didn't wear sunscreen yesterday. So Pastor is rather dark today. George is just rather red today. Like, yeah, it'll get more dark the rest of the week. But Pastors anyway. will. <laughs> oh, goodness. Although I have to say that used to when I was little, I would get dark. 
But the older I've gotten, the more red I have gotten. So it's, I don't know what that means. Maybe George was super tan as a child. Maybe. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so either. I did get super tan <laughs> as a child. Like, there's a picture. I don't know if I still have it, but I was a camp counselor. And uh, so I was out in the sun all summer long. I got so dark. I, I did not look like this anymore. I looked like I was from a different country for sure. I had a friend like that. We, I was a camp counselor too, and my friend, she, we were in Maine, and so she was very, very white. <laughs> but she would, through the, the course of the summer, she would be outside all the time. She did a mission trip to Jamaica, I think, at the end of one summer, and you literally couldn't tell her apart in the pictures because she had gotten <laughs> that tan through the summer. I was always very jealous of that ability. <laughs> Kevin said that he missed seeing us last week. We missed you too, sir. Well, and your mom agrees with you. Yeah, your mom agrees with you. <laughs> your mom. <laughs> she your said, mom yes, you did. I remember. I was, uh, I went, um, I mean, people were commenting about it because I had gotten so dark. Yeah, it was interesting. But then uh, the next summer I had to wear, uh, I'd gotten like a ringworm or something, uh, which is where, you, have you ever no. had that? It's just... You'll, it's like a little, I guess, I don't know, like a fungus or something. And so it can, where it was, I think it was the back of my head. And it was a spot where the hair wasn't there. It was just a little of fungus. So you had to treat that. But in order to treat it with the medicine, you couldn't receive any sun. So I had to wear like, I don't know, some huge sunblock number. And so I went from being super dark the one year <laughs> to like... Casper the next year it was it was interesting I didn't know people could get ringworm I know that like yeah Hobbs has had his like ringworm thingamabob well that's a different that's like uh, that's like an internal worm that you're talking about this yeah. is this is like a fungus uh, that you can get on your on your skin but you know that yeah yeah Science class so, with Pastor The only reason I know it is because I <laughs> got it that one summer, and then, yeah, anyway, so <laughs> it's very interesting. Serena Crabtree, Rebecca Beard, good to see you, and we love you. Serena will be here in 10 days. I know, it's awesome. She texted about <laughs> it this morning. <laughs> Marky's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I can just imagine her big eyes, like anytime I see that emoji, I can immediately see Marky's face of, What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, amen. Um, seems like there was something I was going to share. I don't remember. Mm, Y'all remember what it is? <laughs> anyway, Angela Bowers, hello. Good to see you. Praise God. So let's just jump right in right now. Go ahead and share the broadcast if you haven't. And uh, if you haven't said it already, listen, interact with us today. Uh, drop the uh, scriptures in the comments, say hello if there's any big uh, points, and then also uh, wave. If you're watching right now, whether you're on uh, Facebook or YouTube or wherever you're watching it, uh, you also could be on Periscope or Twitch, uh, maybe LinkedIn if they've approved my application, but I don't think they have yet because I hadn't gotten in. Uh, an email yet but anyway wave at us send us a, a wave in the emojis say hello uh, I see somebody I see Kelvin from Nigeria I miss you too praise God 
Good to see you. Good to see you watching. And uh, let's see, Miss Sherry, she joined. Good to see you, Miss Sherry. We love you so very much. And uh, we just welcome you. So wherever you're watching from right now, just put it in where you're watching from. Throw us a, a wave. And uh, we're going to jump in. The man who would be king. And if you've been with us in this series, uh, I don't, what week is this? Four. This is the fourth week of the man who would be king. But hasn't it been rich? It's been so rich. And one of the things, one of the things that you'll see is, oh, uh, Sherry said, Barrett, you look really cute today. Love your hair that way. Yeah, that was nice. Oh, we love you too, Miss Sherry. Thank you. Miss Chelsea Troublefield, good to see you. Uh, so one of the things that we're looking at in this series is the man who would be king, the person who would be a leader, who would be a president, who would be a shift supervisor, the person who would be a servant leader, uh, the person who would be just a child of God that's growing up into the fullness of what they're called to so that they might disciple other people. So we're talking about all different levels of leadership. But the Lord's been drawing out these pieces. And uh, then not only that, but the person who would be a minister. Uh, if you're not given to be a servant leader, then you're not going to be a very good minister. Uh, if, you're not, if you don't know how to follow people... You're not going to be a very good minister. And so one of the things to look at is if we're going to be a minister in any form or fashion, Sunday school teacher, anything, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, owner of a business, uh, a manager in a business, a super, any leadership position, or just a child of God who's called to disciple other people, then uh, you definitely want to pay attention to this because... So many people will not study to show themselves approved, and so they don't get into the place where God can use them like he wants to. He'll still use them where he can, but they, they have been given much through Jesus Christ, but they won't study it out. They won't, uh, how will we know to apply some of these things of character if we've not given ourselves to know what those things are, if we're not seeing those things in the Word? So we have to give ourselves to it. I see Kevin, man, good to see you again on here. Kevin says over on YouTube, I have to make up for last week and watch on both platforms. <laughs> That's awesome. But he, he's got a good point. It's good to go back and see, all right, what are the points that I missed? Because I'm telling you, pretty much every single day, you can sense the anointing drop in, and there's an anointing to go forward in these things. Amen. And uh, so let's look at 1 Samuel 19. 1 Samuel 19 says, so what's happened is David was uh, being urged to become a son-in-law to King Saul. And then Saul tried to utilize that uh, to form a weapon against him. All right, go and kill over 100 Philistines. And if you'll do that, then you can marry my daughter. And David knew who he was in God. He was also honoring the position. And he goes out and he kills 200 Philistines. He brings back uh, the trophy, so to speak, of what those were. If you know the story, you know what those were. I'm not going to go into it again. And uh, then, and if not, go read 1 Samuel 18. And, uh, but then in 1 Samuel 19, he had just married Saul's daughter. 
And now we see a shift where David really heads into the wilderness. In David's life, we see him as the shepherd boy who nobody knows, but God sees his heart and anoints. Then you see the wilderness time where Saul's trying to kill him. But during that period of time where he's in the wilderness, he's, he's not the unknown shepherd boy anymore, but he's not on the throne either. There's a development of his character. There's things that happen in that period of time. This is not wasted time. This is not wasted time. If you are going forward and disciplining yourself, being a disciple after Jesus, it's never wasted time. However, we do have to make sure that we're applying faith. We're not called to stay in the wilderness forever. Just like we're not called to go to school forever, we go to school so that we can produce. Uh, we may be in the wilderness for a period of time, but we're designed to come out of that wilderness. And one of the things I want to, I really have talked about this a couple of times, but one of the things that I really want you to see is this, is that if you're in a, quote, so-called wilderness time, most people... Uh, in our society today, most people have looked at a wilderness time as a time when, you know, oh, well, I'm just in there. God's teaching me something. And it's almost like they put an unlimited amount of time and they're completely content to sit in the wilderness and let God do what he does. So the problem with that is you can get into a ditch with that. You can get into a mindset where it, it relieves ourselves of any responsibility. Well, we're not relieved of responsibility in the Word. Anytime that we move into a wilderness, a better way to look at it with the full counsel of the Word is this. I'm in the wilderness to bring life to it. I may learn things while I'm there, but if I go into a dry place with no fruit, the same mission that God gave Adam and Noah and Moses and Abraham to take dominion, be fruitful and multiply, is the same mission that I have everywhere I go. The same mission you have everywhere you go. We have the same mission as ambassadors of Christ that when we step into a place, when we set our foot on the ground, this becomes the Lord's and it cannot sit stale and stagnant. They're in the wilderness. Even in the wilderness, we are called to bring life to the wilderness. We are called to bring an oasis where it was dry. Even Israel, you know, a couple of months ago I went to Israel. And what's interesting is seeing the pictures, seeing the pictures in the desert of complete wilderness, desert, nothing's growing. Uh, back in 1960s, 1950s, nothing's there. It's just desert. But when you go there today, in and around wherever the people of God are, it's like an oasis. They got fruit trees growing. They got all kinds of things growing. Our job as the people of God is to take the blessing of God with us wherever we go. So Jesus goes into the wilderness led by the Holy Ghost. He was there to spend time with the Father. 
That's not wasted time. It, while he was out there, before he got finished, completely beats down the devil. You know, John the Baptist goes out to the wilderness. What happens? All of a sudden, the people from all over start to flock to him at the right time. He starts winning souls, basically preaching the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. In other words, the word of life is put on his lips and people receive that word. And then the fruit, the, the, the fruit that tops it all off. When Jesus comes and he gets to announce to the world, to everywhere, this is the Lamb of God. Behold, the Lamb of God, right, who takes away the sins of the world. And he gets to baptize Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. He gets to be there when the Lord, when Jesus prays, heavens open, and the Father speaks from heaven and says, this is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. He sees the Holy Ghost come and light on Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah. This was not a fruitless time in the wilderness. Another time, you see Philip is sent down a wilderness road, down a desert road. What happens? He goes out there, he finds the eunuch, and, and at that moment he comes into the kingdom, he baptizes them many times. We have been taught this idea of wilderness that it is an unfruitful place. It is not an unfruitful place. It's fruitful because we are there. It's fruitful because you were sent there. So we need to have this mindset that wherever I go, I bring the blessing of God. Wherever the Lord sends me, I bring the fruitfulness of God. I turn an, a desert into an oasis in Jesus' name. And if, if that's in process, so in other words, I, you know, when we started the church, uh, when we started the church, it took a few years before we started really seeing that fruit. I would say it was like a desert. It was a, a time of us growing, but we were not fruitless. No, there was fruit growing like crazy on the inside of us, preparing us to be able to do what God's called us to do. Sure, it looked like a wilderness, but it was so prosperous, and now we're seeing uh, that fruit now. That seed was planted, but God was doing something. He was at an increase. But here's what you must grab a hold of. It, when you're in a wilderness period, you must not take into your mindset, take in and receive. You must not take into your thinking that I'm just here uh, forever and nothing's going to happen during that period of time. You must not take on the demonic mindset that no increase will happen. God's just teaching me something, and I don't know how long I'll be out here. You might not know how long you're going to be out there, but you should always be in faith that God is bringing about a fruitfulness. God is bringing about fruit and production in our lives. You, you have to look back at the garden and look back at the story of Jesus and the fig tree. When uh, other people say that he cursed the fig tree. That's not the words that Jesus said. The disciples said it. When he says, why would he though curse a fig tree that wasn't quote unquote in season for figs? Because when you look back at the garden, before the curse came in, there's only one season that is correct and proper in the kingdom of God. 
And that season is fruitfulness. Sometimes that, that fruit is not seen. It's below the ground. It's foundational. But we are always supposed to have fruit on us when the king comes by. We're always, there's one season, put it in the comments, there's one season in the kingdom of God, fruit, fruitfulness. There's one season in the kingdom of God when it's operating the way it's designed to operate, and that is fruitfulness. See, the curse was already in that fig tree because God spoke in the garden and said, be fruitful, multiply. The curse was not listening to the words of God. The curse was already in operation in that fig tree. And so what Jesus did was he said, look tree, I have somebody on this earth that's more important than you. That is all of the children of God made in his image and likeness. And tree, the one who's, tree who's operating under the curse... You will not operate and you will not trick these men and women made in the image of God again. You will not look like a fruitful tree and not have fruit. And so he goes up, he checks it out, he sees the curse is operating in it, and he says, no, you won't, you won't do that again. You won't trick people again. And what he, Jesus actually does is he draws an end to the curse that was already in that tree. And of course, they go back uh, the next day and they see it and they go, oh my goodness, what, you know, what manner of man is this? He's a man who was establishing the kingdom of God in the earth. So when, when you talk and when you think about the wilderness, don't think of it as in a place without fruit. Think of it, I'm always producing fruit. Some of it's seen, some of it's not. But as a child of God, and put it in the comments, as a child of God, I always produce fruit. As a child of God, I always produce fruit. I'll say it one more time. Put it in the comments. Make a confession. Speak it out loud as you're hearing it. As a child of God, I always produce fruit. Amen. When you get that in you, then it bugs you when you're not producing fruit. And the kingdom of God is all about fruit. That doesn't mean that if you don't have fruit, God's going to completely abandon you uh, because you just missed it for a, a little bit of time. No, but he does say that if you don't have fruit, you will be uh, removed. And so we need to look at the reality of our fruitfulness. This is part of what we're talking about in our series at Boomerang right now. Uh, it's time for an awakening. And the key to awakening is recognizing whether or not we actually have fruit. Awake people produce fruit. Snoozing people produce nothing. Snoozing people produce nothing, but awake people are producers of fruit. And so, you know, I've had times in my life where I was not producing fruit. God still loved me, but I had to take responsibility to produce the fruit of God. I had to take the responsibility to move into the fruitfulness that the Bible tells me to. And so how do I do that in what looks like a wilderness time? I make sure, Lord, I'm using this wilderness time. It will not go without fruit. Lord, whatever it is that I need to learn, let me learn it and let me learn it quickly. 
whatever it is in this, in this desert that needs to turn green. In the name of Jesus, I won't have to be here long. I won't have to be because I'm going to occupy till you come. I'm going to take dominion and be fruitful and multiply the blessing in this desert place. I'm going to be fruitful and multiply it everywhere I go. Like Joshua, everywhere the sole of my foot treads, God has given it to me. If it's in the wilderness, then that's mine in Jesus' name. If it's in the city, it's mine in Jesus' name. If it's in business, it's mine in Jesus' name. If it's in the church, it's mine in Jesus' name. Lord, you will not leave us fruitless. You've given us one season of blessing, and Lord, by faith, I receive that season of blessing. As a child, I will always, as a child of God, I will always produce fruit. So when you hear that word wilderness, many times you will hear preachers talk about being in the wilderness and how you just need to give yourself to the wilderness. No, the wilderness needs to give itself to you and give it to God. You don't give yourself to the wilderness. You give yourself to the discipline of God. See, people have, they've applied wilderness as equal with the discipline of God. No, wilderness is a place that we bring life to. Wilderness is a place that God will send us to to always have the victory. In the middle of that, in the middle of that mission, the discipline of God can be seen and learned. But they are not equal. They are not equal. So many ministers mess up when they try to equate wilderness and discipline as being equal. They are not. God is always disciplining. He's doing it in the wilderness. He's doing it in, in times of the blessing, in times of famine, in times of the rona, in times of everything, in times of overwhelming blessing of God, overwhelming manifest. He's always disciplined because he disciplines those that he loves. So just because you're going into a wilderness and the fruit looks different for a period of time, don't give yourself to fruitlessness. Amen. Did I make that clear? It seems like I might have preached that pretty heavy. <laughs> Let's make sure that we give ourselves to fruitfulness no matter where we find ourselves, in the place of blessing or in the place that needs the blessing. Let's give ourselves to the fullness of fruitfulness. The blessing being fruitful and multiplied. This is the command of God. Is there anybody out there that receives that? Do you receive that? Do you receive that I will be fruitful every day of my life? Every day. For all eternity. I will be a bearer of fruit. Whether I find myself in the places of blessing and overflow, or I find myself in the place of wilderness, my job then is to turn that wilderness. My job is to overtake, overcome, conquer any place that does not have the blessing of God on it, set a standard of Jesus Christ, of the anointing and of the Messiah in that place, and produce the kingdom of God. I'm his ambassador. I'm his ambassador. You realize that like in uh, politics, if an ambassador goes somewhere, they carry the laws of the kingdom that sent them everywhere they go. 
They carry the authority. In other words, wherever you go as a child of God, you carry the weight and the authority of that kingdom. And so it doesn't matter if you are in a blessed place of overflow or you're in the wilderness. My job is to carry the authority. And remember what Jesus said in Matthew 6. Lord, your will be done in this place on earth as it is in heaven. Let me ask you this question. What things in heaven, what places in heaven is a desert? What places in heaven are, is a place of wilderness? They don't exist. So my job is to manifest heaven, the rule of the king, the domain of the king. My, my job is to establish the domain of the king, the king's domain, the kingdom on earth just as it is in heaven. He even told me to speak those words. I can't go into a wilderness and believe that it's going to stay a wilderness. I'm going to change it first spiritually, and then it's going to change physically. No, anything that comes around us as children of God should start to change. Sick people should start to get well. People in lack should start to move to overflow. Everywhere we go should carry the blessing. Doesn't mean you won't be challenged. Doesn't mean that you might not miss it. I'm not believing that we'll miss it, but it doesn't mean that we won't. If we miss it, though, we have a merciful God, a high priest who's so faithful to help us, and he will take us into even a wilderness and produce the kingdom, the blessing, heaven on earth. This is the good news of God. We can turn anywhere we go into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Shout it. Get it in you. This is not just for pastors. This is for every believer. See, I think we keep trying to push off some of this stuff into the responsibility of the pastor. No, you are a child of God wherever you go. We are all children of God with citizenship rights and authority wherever we go. If your job is in the stock market, then you, God will show you how to produce an overflow and an oasis in places you might not have known before. If you have a company or work for a company, God will turn you, if you will allow him, God will turn you into an oasis where people come. They bring questions to you because you know. They, they say, I need you to be... Look at Joseph in Potiphar's house and in, and in Egypt. He took with him the blessing. Everywhere the children of God went, the blessing went with them. This is just it. So when you hear somebody talking about a wilderness, as soon as you hear that word, be mindful of their thoughts towards wilderness. And just because they say wilderness doesn't mean that they think wrongly about it. I'll speak of wilderness like this with David. But I understand what a wilderness can and will do. And I'm not just giving myself uh, to a wilderness that affects me. I affect the wilderness. Why? Because Brian is so good and great? No, because Brian is as Jesus is, so is he in this world. Because he's walking as a little brother of Jesus Christ. He's walking as a family and as an ambassador in this world. Because God made him 
a part of the kingdom. And if you know Jesus, he made you a part of the family too. And you're carrying that too. You're carrying that authority. You're carrying that blessing. And everywhere you go, Jesus says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. In other words, you're carrying him everywhere you go. So let that light shine. Let that blessing be. Let that anointing flow. Hallelujah. Amen. So David's moving into this wilderness time. Obviously, it's a challenge to his flesh, but he takes it and turns it into something great. Let's look at it. Now Saul told Jonathan his son, 1 Samuel 19 and verse 1. Now Saul told Jonathan his son and all his servants to put David to death. Well, that's great. The king. Hey, uh, Jonathan, you who are in covenant relationship with David, by the way, and all my servants, kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, greatly delighted in David. You have to put faith. We have to put faith in this. God is my protector. God will alert me if I need to be alerted. He'll tell me about trouble. He'll show me. He'll put people in place to help protect me. Lord, I put faith in you as my protector. Father, we put faith in you as our protector. He says, I'm not taking you out of this world in John 17. I'm not taking you out of this world, but I'll keep you from the evil one. That's a promise from God that he will keep us from the evil one. What a great promise. But... How good is a promise that we don't put faith in? we got to know the promise and put faith in the promise. Our job as believers in John 6, this is your work to believe on him they sent. In other words, I've got to take the promises of Jesus that he spoke throughout this whole word and I must apply belief and faith towards that word. This is the victory that overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the attack. This is the victory that overcomes the trap that I believe he's my protector. He's my shield. And so I believe what I need to know, God will tell me. What I need to know, he'll get in touch with me. I've had it before where people have been doing wrong things and the Lord literally uh, let me hear their thoughts where I'm praying, I'm just praying in the Holy Spirit. And the Lord literally lets me hear what they're thinking. They're not saying it out loud. They're saying it in their heart. And all of a sudden, I can hear what they're thinking. That's the very, very same thing that happened in the Old Testament where you have the prophet and you have the, the kingdom that's coming against Israel trying to attack it. And they keep getting thwarted. And all of a sudden, he says, who of you is telling all of our secrets to Israel? And they said, oh, it's not us. It's that prophet. Because the prophet, the Spirit of God, was telling him and protecting Israel, telling them all the plans of that uh, enemy kingdom. God will do the same for you. Do you think that story is in there just to like, make us feel good about God and, oh, that's so cool that he did it? No, that story is in there to show you that God will protect you like that. Are we putting faith towards him as the protector? Here it is. He's got Jonathan. And he's saying, look, Jonathan, Saul's son, greatly delighted in David. So, verse 2, Jonathan told David, saying, Saul, 
my father is seeking to put you to death. Now, therefore, please be on guard in the morning and stay in a secret place and hide yourself. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are. And I will speak with my father about you. If I find out anything, then I will tell you. Then Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Do not let the king sin against his servant David, since he has not sinned against you, and since his deeds have been very beneficial to you. But if you remember, uh, Saul had gotten in the place where he was in his wrong wrong thinking towards David, and he was jealous of David, and, and he became very jaded. And so this is going on. But here's Jonathan. He's... He's the voice of the Lord coming through a man saying, King, even though you're messing up. See, the Lord is even still now, watch this, he's given Saul mercy. He's giving Saul mercy through his son's voice to try and help him. Praise God. God is so merciful to us. He will help us even when we are so off track. Just put that in the comments right now. God is so merciful. He will help me. He will help me. Just put that. He will help me. He will help me. He will help me. God will help me. Praise God. He said, David, has, his deeds have been very beneficial. Verse 5. For he took his life in his hand and struck the Philistine. And the Lord brought about a great deliverance for all Israel. And you saw it and rejoiced. Why then will you sin against innocent blood by putting David to death without a cause? Saul listened to the voice of Jonathan, and Saul vowed, As the Lord lives, he shall not be put to death. Then Jonathan called David, and Jonathan told him all these words. And Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as formerly. Praise God for Jonathan. Praise God for Jonathan. I do want you to see something here. What was operating through Jonathan at this time? What was going on with him? The voice of the Lord was actually speaking to King Saul. It was the anointing of God. The anointing of God was actually speaking through Jonathan at this moment. And so you have the anointing. Now I want you to see something. Just a few verses before, Saul is trying to kill David. He tells everybody, kill David. Now he says, I, I'm making a promise, I won't kill him. Now we're going to see, of course, that he goes back on that promise and he tries to kill David. And then we're going to see it again. You're going to watch this and we'll talk about it when we get there, but he's trying to kill David and he runs into David and then he repents. And then he goes a little few days, and he's trying to kill him again. And then he repents. But right here, one of the things that you see. When people come under the anointing, the veil of deception, many times the anointing breaks the yoke of that deception, and they can see clearly. This right here, you see King Saul, not because of his anointing, but the anointing that's on Jonathan, all of a sudden that veil is removed. Now what happens is, because Saul doesn't go after hunger and thirst for the things of God himself, 
as soon as Jonathan goes away, that anointing is gone. There's no protection. There's no light there. All of a sudden, the deception comes back. Because Saul is given to his own way of thinking instead of God's way of thinking. A leader must understand and go after the thinking of God above his own at all times. The leader, a leader in the kingdom of God, a child of God, must seek an anointing of his own and his own intimacy with God. In other words, Lord, I hunger for you. I thirst for you. I humble myself before you. Father, I need you. It's not my own logic. It's not my own worldly philosophies. It's not my own thinking. It's you that I need. It's your anointing that I need and nothing else. Because without the anointing of God, all of corruption, all of the curse, all of the deception is working against us. But with the anointing, we can stay free of this. So every leader and every person... We must take personal responsibility to walk in a fellowship and a relationship with God so that the anointing is present in our lives. We must take that responsibility. Put that in the comments, please. We must take responsibility for our own intimacy and anointing. We must take responsibility for our own intimacy and anointing. In other words, we must have fellowship with God. And that means many times, so for instance, I personally have, I will take uh, responsibility for my intimacy with the Father by getting around people that are intimate with the Lord. I, not only do I spend time in the Word myself and time in prayer myself and time in worship myself alone, but also I get around people who are doing that, whose own hunger helps to drive me for that intimacy. But the other thing is this, with the anointing, I need to, in that intimacy and in that fellowship, take the responsibility to walk in holiness and walk in an anointing of God. I have to take responsibility for that for myself. I can't live off of the anointing of my pastors and never spend time with God myself. I must take the responsibility to have a personal connection. However, my personal connection is lifted and increased and multiplied when I get around the people that God has connected me to. When I get around the people that are carrying and anointing themselves. So the people that I get around that aren't carrying an anointing, well, they will draw from mine. But the people that are carrying an anointing, I will draw from them. So if I'm going to take responsibility for my anointing, it stems 100% out of my personal intimacy with God. But I can get around other people that will help to boost it up in my life. So what uh, King Saul is doing King Saul is not taking responsibility for his own intimacy and anointing. King Saul's not taking responsibility for that. He, he, he has some anointing operating around him, David, Jonathan, right? But he's not taking responsibility for it himself. 
had he done that, his, his whole uh, rule would have been so much better. But he's not doing that. All right, so verse 7, Jonathan called David. Jonathan told him all these words, and Jonathan brought David to Saul. And he was in his presence as formerly. Verse 8, when there was a war again, David went out and fought with the Philistines and defeated them with great slaughter so that they fled before him. Now there was an evil spirit from the Lord on Saul as he was sitting in, this, in his house with his spear in his hand. And David was playing the harp with his hand. Now we've talked about this before. Uh, the evil spirit uh, that it says from the Lord. Many times when you see that, that's the Lord allowing that spirit. It's not God doing it himself. He's allowing that to come in. Saul's decisions allowed this to come in. But because of the translation from original English, many times this has been missed. I told you about a report uh, that uh, Robert Young did in his concordance uh, where it showed the tenses of the verbs sometimes being missed. But it was written like this originally, and many people have continued to write it like that, uh, even though the tense may not be exactly right. But what you see here is not necessarily from the Lord, but allowed by the Lord. He says, he's sitting in his house with a spear in his hand, and David was playing the harp with his hand. Verse 10, Saul tried to pin David to the wall with the spear, but he slipped away out of Saul's presence so that he struck the, stuck the spear into the wall. And David fled and escaped that night. So you don't see a situation that's like overflowing with blessing for David. David goes in, his anointing is still working, his anointing still intact. He goes, he fights against the Philistines that are coming against the people of God. They've made themselves enemies of God. And that we know that enemies of God, they're going to hurt everybody around them. David comes against them. He defeats them. He's a conqueror. He's an overcomer. The anointing's still on him. Saul should have seen him and said, praise God, David's here. But instead, he goes right back to that deception because he had not taken responsibility for his own intimacy with the Father and walk in an anointing uh, that God gives him. He goes back, he's deceived, and all of a sudden he wants to kill David again. He's already given his word he wouldn't. Here he is, he's got a spear again, tries to pin David to the wall. Praise God, the Lord again helped David. Praise God, God will help us. God will help us. David flees and he escaped into the night. Verse 11. Then Saul sent messengers to David's house to watch him in order to put him to death in the morning. But Michael, David's wife, told him, saying, If you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow you will be put to death. See, again, what are we seeing? The protection of God. Verse 12, so Michael let David down through a window and he went out and fled and escaped. Verse 13, Michael took the household idol and laid it on the bed and put a quilt of goat's hair at its head and covered it with clothes. When Saul sent messengers to take David, she said, he is sick. Then Saul sent messengers to see David saying, bring him up to me on this bed that I may put him to death. When the messengers entered, behold, the household idol was on the bed and the quilt of goat's hair at its head. So Saul said to Michael, why have you deceived me? 
like this and let my enemy go so that he's escaped. And Michael said to Saul, he said to me, let me go. Why should I put you to death? So one of the things that we're seeing is that Michael gave David time to get away, (laughs) to let a safe distance happen. In other words, he didn't just get let go and Saul was hot on his heels. No, he had time to get away safely. Verse 18, now David fled and escaped and came to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and stayed in Naoth. And it was told Saul, saying, Behold, David is at Naoth in Ramah. Then Saul sent messengers to take David. But when they saw the company of the prophets prophesying with Samuel, standing and presiding over them, the Spirit of God came on the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. we're going to go and take David and we're going to take him back and kill Saul. And they walk into the presence of the Lord and all of a sudden they start prophesying. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. You see, this is a supernatural protection of David and you have a right as a child of God to also walk in this type of protection. You know, Corona may try to come near your house, but it gets gets close enough to see it, but it can't get close enough to touch you. All of a sudden, it walks into a wall of the angels of God, of the protection of God's anointing, and the Rona is beat down. You are protected in Jesus' name. You are kept from the evil one. The anointing of God will hold that at bay. Amen. You must, we must believe the anointing of God, it carries with it a glory a protection, a realm, and that overflow of the presence of God will start to just beat back every sickness and disease and everything that would harm me. How do we have the presence of God? We enter into His presence with thankfulness and praise. He says God inhabits the praises of His people. See, we need to praise Him on a more regular basis. Lord, I praise You. I give You glory. I think it was just last night I was listening to Ted Shuttlesworth Sr. And he was talking about how he wakes up in the morning and he says, Bonnie's quiet in the morning, but I'm loud. And I'll start to give God glory. Praise you, Father, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do today. I give you glory. We must praise him. Just put that in the comments. We must praise him at all times. We must praise him at all times. And the presence of God will be with you. And when, when the enemy tries to send stuff, the presence of God holds it at bay and destroys every weapon formed against you. Amen. We must praise him always. So the messengers of Saul, they also prophesied. When it was told Saul, he sent other messengers. And they also prophesied. <laughs> Uh, so Saul sent messengers again the third time and they also prophesied I love this they're coming up they're trying to capture David and nothing's working it's the spirit of God working on David's behalf it's the anointing of the Lord every enemy that comes up they're turned (laughs) 
They are evangelized by the Spirit of God. All of a sudden, they start prophesying. David is an anointed one of God. Praise God. I give glory to God. And they're there to capture him and kill him. They start prophesying. They can't prophesy by the good things of God. They're prophesying the great things of God. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. He is the majesty on high. Praise God. Mercy follows me every day of my life. Goodness and mercy in Jesus' name. The Lord is with David. The Lord is above all. They start prophesying. I love it. I love it. Verse 22. Then he himself went to Ramah and came as far as as the large well that is in Sikhu. And he asked and said, Where are Samuel and David? And someone said, Behold, they're at Naoth and Ramah. He proceeded there to Naoth and Ramah. And the Spirit of God came upon him also. <laughs> so that he went alone prophesying continually until he came to Naoth and Ramah. He also stripped off his clothes and he too prophesied before Samuel and lay down naked all that day and all that night. Therefore they say, is Saul also among the prophets? <laughs> In other words, he went there with death on his mind and the spirit of God arrested him and took him to the place where he completely humbled himself before the man of God and before the presence of God and he started prophesying the great and mighty things of God. Now, there's something that I want you to see in this story as well. Do you remember when Saul was first called? When he was first called to be king and Samuel told him, this will be a sign that you're called, that what I'm telling you today is true. He said, you will prophesy with the prophets. What's God trying to remind him of? God's saying, Saul, remember where you came from. In other words, this is a personal thing straight to Saul. This is a personal event straight to Saul. It's, it's God trying to shake up Saul and wake him up and say, Saul, you're going about this the wrong way. Notice Saul's pride eventually, he, he has nothing to do with it. It eventually leads to his death. Of course, we'll get to that. But what you see is, you see this mercy. This is God saying, Saul, wake up. Wake up. Can't you see? You're going about this the wrong way. You're trying to do the works of the enemy, not my works. Remember what I did through you at the first. They said the same words. Is Saul among the prophets? Remember, that should have been like a light bulb, an alarm clock to Saul. I remember hearing that once before when I was anointed as king. The day that I was anointed, they said the same thing. God's the one who brings my blessing. God's the one, not these jealous thoughts. No, it's God who does this. Saul, wake up. We're seeing the merciful hand of God on Saul, trying to help him. And we have to ask ourselves, how many times, how many times is God mercifully trying to help us, but we're pridefully pushing through what we think we ought to do? A leader must. Give himself in humility to the Lord. Stop acting like he knows everything. Stop acting like we've got it all figured out. 
God's got it figured out. If we do any good thing, it's because of him. I must humbly, before God all the time, praise him and present myself. Lord, what are you up to? Lord, everything that you say, I will say. Whatever you do, I will do. And nothing more, nothing less. Father, what are you up to? Even in the New Testament, it says this. It says, don't even say I'll do this tomorrow or I'll do this next year. Say, if the Lord wills it. In other words, if God's not already told you. In other words, you can say, I'm the healed of the Lord. Because he's told you, you're the healed of the Lord. Throughout the full counts of the word. But he hasn't told you what you will be doing next year. He hasn't told you that. Uh, for most people, he hasn't said, next year, in May, on this date, you will be doing this. Most people have not heard those words. And if you haven't heard those words, then you don't speak those words. You say, next year I'll be doing this, if the Lord wills, or if, if the Lord tarries. In other words, what I'm saying is, you'll hear people speak uh, speech like that. What you're saying is, Lord, I humble myself to you. I'll do this if you don't return and, and rapture away the church by then. But if you do, I won't be doing it. I'll be doing what you want me to do. And in other words, sometimes we're speaking too much. We're moving too quick. We're letting our own thoughts and defending our own thoughts instead of humbling ourselves before the Lord. The, the mercy of God is trying to touch King Saul and say, Saul, wake up, wake up. He has moments where it happens and he does wake up, but very quickly his pride pushes him right back. His jealousy pushes him right back into the deception. God doesn't want any of us to be deceived. He doesn't want any of us in pride because pride leads to a fall. It, pride puts us in opposition to God. He wants us in the place of the blessing. But we must put on that humility and that obedience no matter what we see, no matter what we feel. Just put this in the comments as our last thing today. God wants us to put on humility and obedience. So God wants me to constantly humble myself. God wants us to constantly humble ourselves. God wants us to constantly humble ourselves. God wants us to constantly humble ourselves. We need to see that. We need to remember that, and we need to remember it at all times. And the time that we need to remember it most is when we get the most passionate about somebody that looks like they're doing something contrary to us. Yeah. That's when we need to remember it the most. Well, I don't like how they talked. I don't like that he brought up that scripture while he was preaching. I don't like that he didn't like my idea. Well, your idea might not have been from God. Maybe it was. But at that moment, we must put on humility and not pride. Father, I just ask right now that every person that would be a king, a leader, a minister, a servant of God, a child of God Most High, Lord, let us humbly move. Let us increase in intimacy and let us increase in your anointing. Let us take personal responsibility for it. Let us, Lord, believe for your protection. And Father, let us Walk in all humility and hunger so that we may walk in grace and greater grace and the filling, the overflow of God. In Jesus' name, we praise you, we worship you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Praise God. We love you.
and uh, we just give God glory for you. Hope you had a great, great weekend, and I uh, hope that this has ministered to you. Share it. There's people that need to hear this because God is calling them to great and mighty things, and as you share it, it helps get it out there to them. There's some people, listen, there's some people that you'll share it with, and then they'll share, and then they'll share, and somebody you'll never meet in your life that needs it, but they'll hear it, and they'll go after God more because you shared it. So it's not about building us, it's about sharing the good news of God and getting it out there. But you play a part, you play a role. And so Father, I just thank you. Lord, let these messages, let this series hit everybody that needs to hear it in Jesus' name. Lord, let your will be done in it and we praise you for it. Amen, amen. Glory to God. Well, as always, we give you an opportunity to give. You don't have to give anything, but if you decide to and you want to, you can. Uh, the further getting the gospel out there. And so we'll just, uh, on Facebook, you can type in hashtag donate, or it, no matter if you're on Facebook or anywhere else, you can go to givebc.org, and you're welcome to sow into the kingdom of God and the gospel going out there. Again, you don't have to, but it's there for you, for the ones that God's writing something on their heart, and you're humbling yourself to what God said. He said, when somebody shares the gospel and they do the work of ministry, that you should share with them your goods, what God has manifested in your life, your produce. You should share those things. You should sow into the kingdom of God. That's already written. He's told that to every believer. And so uh, you have opportunity to do it today. We love you. Have a great, great day. You can drop uh, the hashtag donate or go to givebc.org if you feel led to do that today. And uh, whether you do or not, we love you. We'll see you tomorrow. And uh, have a great, great day. Bye-bye.